Welcome back, everyone, to Thoughts and Prayers, a podcast about the fight for reasonable gun legislation, interviewing activists and knowledgeable voices weekly. Thoughts and prayers are great and all, but real change needs real action, so that's what I'm hoping to cover and inspire with this project. I'm your host, Max Patton, and I just graduated high school in our nation's capital. Today, I have Chris Allieri as my guest. He's the founder of Mulberry & Aster, which is an agency that specializes in PR. Chris knows a lot about how companies can be involved in legitimate activism campaigns, and he himself is an outspoken animal rights activist and, of course, a strong supporter of us students fighting for a safer America with stricter and sensible gun laws. So let's pick Chris's brain on how companies and brands can work with youth and other activists to promote change. Hi, Chris. Thanks so much, Max. And it's, it's really great to be a part of uh, this podcast. And, and thanks so much for having me. You know, my current role now is I, I lead a company that I started two years ago, and it's called Mulberry and Aster. And we focus on public relations, public affairs, advocacy that companies can be doing at this time. And, you know, the bulk of our clients are technology companies, startups, high growth companies, but we do work with established brands too. And established brands, big companies have been doing some great work. And, and especially around, around the gun issue. You know, my, my activism started, it started early on. I, I was kind of thrust into it. But for me, you know, it really was a specific event. I, I started an environmental club, which was called the Student Activist for the Environment, the Safe Club. Our school was throwing away paper. They weren't recycling it. And the Board of Education was kind of giving us a line of, yeah, we're doing it. And then I, I did my undercover investigation and I found that they weren't. And so I became this like citizen enemy of the Board of Education. I got myself onto the Board of Education and we got the recycling going. And at one time I was part of the, the largest student and social justice group called the Student Environmental Action Coalition and um, SEEK. And that was in, you know, several thousand colleges. And this was a, you know, this was a time where there was really, a, I think, coming to a head of, uh, of a lot of political activity on campuses. And even at that time, there was always there was a narrative of students not caring, of apathy. I'm answering this too long, so I apologize. <laughs> I, I think that there's this feeling that whatever current generation is, that there's older generations or older folks trying to keep them down, trying to tell them that their voice does not matter, that their priorities are misaligned. You know, with this current generation, older folks like to say, you're addicted to your phones, like, or things like that, right? And it's all in this effort to squash opinion that people may not want to hear or to, to squash activism or, or voices that, that need to be heard in activity that people really don't want to change at the end of the day. So this was absolutely my case 25 years ago. And I would say that even older folks who might be listening was the case when they were younger, right? So I think that that is something to remember. I've been watching and appreciating and admiring millennial activists for a long time now. And I think that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not the only one. I think that many, many people are admiring with real praise and, and, and knowing that they're doing the right thing. It's kind of sad to say this, but activism really does come out of tragedy. Like with environmental activism, a few days ago, as of recording this, there was news about how Antarctic sheet ice is melting at a rate of like three times faster than it was before and things like that. Like it's kind of these kind of confirmations from the scientific community or things like that when it comes to environmental activism 
that's for people to actually do something. And similarly with gun violence, it's these kind of tragedies and mass murders that kind of incite people to act and change uh, because the status quo otherwise, I think, is just maintained. It, it absolutely is. And I'll tell you that it incites the victims to do something, which is really atrocious. And that what these students and what you guys collectively as an international movement of students have been able to do in a couple of short months is, is so much more than any one elected official. Every single one of the elected officials combined, you've done more. Every gun control group, you've done more. So it's, you know, it is great in that something of, of, of strength of this activism can come out of this senseless set of tragedies, too many tragedies. But where the heck were the adults all of those years? Where were the supposed advocates? Where were the Democrats, right? Like, it's so easy to point to the Republican Party. But all the while, there was many Congresses where, where Democrats had, had control, right? Or we had the presidency just now for eight years. So, you know, there's, there's, a, lot, there's a lot of finger pointing. But, you know, I think that people in power, whether that be in nonprofit organizations or advocacy groups or elected officials or um, appointees, really have a lot to learn from these students. You wrote a few months ago about Patagonia, what they did when uh, Trump was selling off some national park land. Or a clothing company, Patagonia, suing President Trump over his decision to shrink two national monuments in Utah. How do you think that that individual activism translates to companies and brands supporting that activism? What's the benefit for the companies doing it? And are there real benefits for the cause that it's claiming to support as well? I think that activist companies or companies that take a stand is just good business. And I think it's good business from the standpoint of if you look at a lot of consulting companies like a Deloitte or an Accenture or an IBM, they have very large workforces. Hundreds of thousands of, of people work for these companies individually. So you're talking tens and tens of thousands of international millennials that are working for them, very young workforces. These young people care about issues and causes, whether it's guns, whether it's the environment, whether it's equality, whether it's animal rights. There's many, many things that, that young people are taking a stand for. People that are working at these companies want to work for companies that do stand for something and you know, are investing in causes and are donating money to local causes and organizations, right? And they're doing it not just from a standpoint of marketing, right? You have to kind of lead first with your actions and then worry about the marketing. And that's what I think Patagonia has done too. But they kind of had a, a never again, sort of enough is enough moment because when this um, monument happened out West, they really, I think, looked at their options and, and were able to really make a difference with a big splash and doing this not from a PR standpoint, but from like a, an actual legal, a legal pathway to do this, right? And so, you know, I think that companies a few years back used to be able to sit on the sidelines and kind of wait out certain issues. That's not the case anymore with some of these issues, because like, there was a Republican way and a Democrat way. There was like blue issues and red issues. Right. But now there are certain issues around these young children being detained at the border, gun violence in schools, you know, racism and anti-immigrant sentiments. 
there's no Republican or Democrat on these issues. There's only right and wrong. So it's like, what side of the history do these companies want to be on? And I think that bold companies, and this isn't just radical young person companies, we're not talking that. We're talking some old fashion stayed brands that never, ever waded into controversy, never, ever took a stand so publicly. And they're doing it. And we saw that around the gun issue and around, you know, the NRA and the affiliations with the NRA. You know, very few companies buckled under to the NRA. And, you know, they go out even more bullish. But, you know, in many ways, I think that the NRA is is assessing, always reassessing, you know, what are going to be their next steps. And to speak really generally, I think when it comes to companies standing for something, we saw a lot of this recently, not just with gun violence, but with user privacy, because there's been some companies like, uh, obviously, there's the Facebook controversy with Cambridge Analytica. And Facebook since then has tried to get ahead of the issue by like prioritizing user privacy and claiming that they want to protect that. And Google is doing that as well. And all of these companies are also implementing measures that make you use your phone less or make these services less addictive. Apple for a long time has been championing user privacy and their CEO has made a big deal of, you know, standing up to the FBI and issues like that. And a lot of other companies have kind of followed that example because, like you said, it's not a left-right issue. It's kind of a good or bad issue. And it's it's a lot simpler. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, in many ways, um, there was a time um, not too long ago where a company that was thrust into the spotlight by something maybe they did. Um, an insensitive ad, um, something ridiculous that they tweeted, or, you know, it, it not too long ago, right? Like there was a time where you had a couple of days, you had a day to sort of like get your crew together and hire the crisis communications firm and, you know, run it by the CEO and run it by legal and get the PR people in the room. That has shrunk to 24 hours to 12 hours to now the matter of of less than a couple of hours, right? And in some cases, minutes. And so companies, I think, because of that, have become afraid of controversy or walking into controversy. The sentiment and and where we are as a country is quite different. And so I believe that a company, a very traditional company, maybe even one that employs people in states that voted heavily for Donald Trump, right? can stand up on issues and do the right thing. I mean, we saw this with the case of Dick's Sporting Goods. That CEO interview, if your folks haven't seen it, um, I think it was on CNBC. As we looked at what happened down in Parkland, and uh, we we, we were so disturbed and saddened by what happened, we felt we really needed to do something. And uh, so we've uh, decided not to sell these assault weapons any longer in any of our stores. He was one of the first people to say, we don't need thoughts and prayers. And that's what I love the name of your podcast. But, you know, it's a it's a brilliant interview and it's it's humble and it is not about left leaning CEOs on the coast tweeting against Donald Trump or, you know, like the Hollywood elite. Robert De Niro (laughs) saying what he did at the Tonys, you know, all of that is part of the noise and the zeitgeist at the moment right now. But what cuts through all of that, because it's all entertainment on both sides, right? And so, but what cuts through that is actual commitment. And I'm telling you, around 
these youth at the border, this is a tremendous opportunity for a toy manufacturer, for a clothing company, you know, not to go down there and have branding, but to be part of just to stand there with those people, to send a CEO to be there at the border with those young people would send such a radical message and no one is there. You know, not even Bernie Sanders is there, right? Like, or other people that you might imagine, like who are going to be rumored to run for president in a couple of years, right? Like, it's interesting. And I know that that's probably going to change by the time this runs in a week, but I'm surprised, you know, I'm surprised that we're not seeing more there and, and, and with guns, right? And, and so, you know, back to the gun issue is that it was so intense. And what the students, not only in South Florida, were able to do, but also around the country, what all of you were able to do so quickly was mobilize and rise to the collective consciousness, you know, after the fervor of the Me Too movement of 2016 into 2017, to rival that in 2018 with Never Again and with gun control activism is, is, it was extremely impressive, right? But it's, it's now about building those partnerships and, and keeping those elected officials truly accountable for passing the le- legislation. And working with cities and towns. I mean, so cities and towns and um, states passing specific bans and additional regulation is, is definitely a start. But it's about changing our entire gun culture. And I still fear that all of this has only radicalized and emboldened the other side of the issue because there's been no dialogue across the patch, really, with people who. You know, I still see people around with like proud NRA t-shirts and hats, and that's in New York City, right? So it's like, it's, it's possible that, yes, we are making real change, we are changing things, and laws are going to be coming, but we have to remember that there's a lot of people that may not support any sort of gun control, and what do you do about them, you know? And so that's, that's a harder discussion. And that's, that's a discussion that I think is not just for the student activists, but, but for everyone. And that requires leadership, though. That requires leaders of political leaders, and that requires corporate leaders, right? And I'll tell you, there's a leadership vacuum on both sides of the aisle right now in Washington. There is a complete vacuum. Obviously, we know what's, what we're dealing with in the White House. But on the other side as well, there's no one who's really rising to the fore. And, and with that, that's a great opportunity for young people, for people in civil society across the board, for different nonprofit organizations and NGOs. But it's also a great moment for corporate leaders, right? And I'll tell you, you know, like Howard Schultz resigning as chairman of Starbucks, a company that he was really critical in, in, in creating and, and growing. Um, you know, people say he's rumored to run for president. And he definitely hasn't done things perfectly at that company. But I'll tell you, Starbucks continuously, I believe, are trying to do the right thing. And CEOs like a Howard Schultz are very few and far between. So I, I think that opportunities are still there for activist CEOs, cause-minded CEOs, to really align themselves with issues that definitely make sense but, you know, that was the other thing that, you know, people like me or, you know, 
corporate communications counselors would talk to their clients and say, okay, so you have to pick an issue that you align with and that, you know, if you're at a a company working on housing, then we're going to work on homelessness. And, you know, if we're a food manufacturer, we're going to work on, you know, feeding hungry people, right? But nowadays, all of these issues impact all of us. So things like immigration, equality, the environment, and gun violence, this impacts everyone. So you don't have to so much worry as a company Does it align with my mission? Does it align with my customers? All of that calculation that used to happen, and it's still happening, believe me, should we weigh in, should we not? That needs to go out the window. People need, companies need to start making some mistakes. They need to like go out there, be bold, have actions and and commitments and investments into changing things. Maybe they're going to make mistakes. Maybe their CEO is going to say the wrong thing but do it. You know, this is, this is not the time to be so careful and to have clever wordsmithing between your PR and legal teams to make sure that no one is offended and to make sure that like you're doing it all the right way, right? Like we don't have time. I wanted to ask, as you know, someone who's, you know, an adult and also has a lot of experience with communications, what the Parkland kids are doing, like we mentioned, is really bold. The leaders of that and the student leaders, you know, doing these movements that politicians and many companies until recently haven't really been a part of, that the students have really been leading. What would you say is the biggest improvement they could make to that to kind of strengthen their organization and maybe even garner the support of more brands or companies to help them with that cause? I just get the sense of some of these young activists from how they've held themselves on social media and in digital media interviews and in television interviews, and they seem very open to working with other people. So, you know, I would say sign up, suit up, get ready, you know, roll up your sleeves and be a part of it. And I think that like, you know, with social media and with the ability to reach people very easily, very quickly with the right messages, I'm sure that all of them are very reachable, right? So as, as they go on in their studies and finish high school, which is just crazy because we're talking about people who have not even finished high school yet in some cases, or as they go off to college, they shouldn't have the movement of, of anti-gun violence on their shoulders and have to get a college education at the same time, right? So there should be a moment where other people can pick up the baton. And I'm not talking freshmen and sophomores, right? Okay, definitely. I don't want to discourage people, but I, I look forward to a day when we don't need high school level activists for gun violence, right? Like, let's get rid of this problem. Like, this is a problem that we have activists fighting gun violence that are not even 18 years old, right? Or that are 15 or 14 or 13 or 12. So, you know, I think that parents need to listen. Districts need to listen. You know, I'm, I, I live in New York City. I have a house in the Catskills and um, in near Woodstock, New York. And the Ontario School District, which is a large school district of several, several towns, the superintendent and principal suspended students for one of the walkouts. Ugh. Now, she was saying it wasn't the official walkout. It was the second walkout. And it was the way the students did it. That whole, the way the students didn't, they didn't ask permission thing. I was faced with that every day when I was doing things in my high school. I worked for several years and it was a a true privilege. Um, One of my bosses in the past was Geraldine Ferraro, who um, of course was the 1984 
Democratic vice presidential nominee and the first woman to be on a major party ticket. And so Jerry used to, you know, often cite to me that quote of, I think it was Laurel Thatcher Ulrich, who said, well-behaved women seldom make history. You can take out women and put students or young people or, you know, whatever group we're talking about, right? And I think that sometimes like misbehaving, you, you can't always ask for permission. I mean, I think civility and grace are great things, but, you know, if we ask for permission, the status quo stays the same, right? So, you know, I think like this whole thing with like being in a very liberal, quote unquote, progressive community like Woodstock, New York, and their principal and superintendent are suspending students for supporting a national walkout to fight gun violence. I mean, where, what are we doing? You know, and these, these principals and superintendents work for us, right? So it's like, we got to keep these people accountable, whether they be elected officials at the local level, Mm -hmm. whether they be school officials. I mean, are people showing up at board meetings? Are people board of ed meetings? Are they, you know, accountable? Are they talking to their kids or parents talking to their kids? Like, I mean, I think that there's so much that needs to happen, but I'm, I, I do think that it's a mix of young activists, of older activists, of these gun control groups that have been around for a while, right? Of politicians on both sides of the aisle and companies and, and getting young people involved at companies, but also getting the rank and file workforce at certain companies involved. Like, wouldn't it be amazing if a company like Uber took a stand, right? Uber's had a lot of problems because you don't know what they stand for, right? And they have to get a new CEO now and they're trying to do a you know PR campaign to get their name off the uh, blacklist of many people's minds. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I've, I've always thought like, you know, they had this previous CEO and their founder had so many mistakes, so many issues, and they just like, they just couldn't quit him, right? Like it was just like a bad breakup that kept going and he wouldn't leave, right? And so you've got that and then, but you don't have anything proactive that your company is being known for. You have this amazing army and fleet. I mean, most of the Uber drivers that are Lyft drivers that I've met are good people. And they're just like entrepreneurs and they're starting, you know, they're, they're, they always have something else going on in their lives. They're interesting folks, right? Those are probably people that might be, might want to champion causes, causes that probably, you know, the vast majority of us now in the country support, right? So I think that companies need to sort of break this mold of tweeting is the answer. um, Press conferences are the answer public relations and marketing plays are the answer. They need to do things that might make them a bit uncomfortable. They need to spend some money. They need to put some huge investments into, you know, endowing college professorships, you know, to supporting marches and to supporting activism and and young people and groups, right? But they also, you know, can, can think about ways of partnership, right? Of working with other companies, other organizations, and kind of leading with doing the right thing and less with just let's brand it and market it the right way. I think there's a degree to which, yeah, every company and every individual needs to be a rebel to cause change. I helped organize the National Student Walkout that happened on April 20th at uh, my school and many other schools. And when I was trying to organize it again, my school, you know, I ran into a lot of difficulty with a headmaster. And so I, you know, dotted my I's and crossed my T's and made sure everyone was signed up. But I'll tell you, there were a few people who came along the way who were not signed up or didn't, who didn't have official permission to go, but who went anyways. And 
all the more power to them for doing that because they were fighting for a cause they believed in and they weren't going to let some, I mean, this piece of paper or something stop them from doing that. And when it comes to being a company, there's so many obvious things you can do. Like you just mentioned with Dick's, what uh, Dick's Sporting Goods did with limiting their sales of guns and how other companies can maybe, you know, and political representatives maybe make sure they're not receiving checks from the NRA and not speaking in their favor all the time with this kind of lobbying power that they have. There's so many obvious things that can be done on this. I think even more so than environmental activism, which is also a great cause, but it's more complicated, right? That's a harder issue to do. I think this gun issue is something that can be achieved even more easily because there's legitimate concrete things that the Parkland kids and the leaders and the other student activists are um, asking for. And they're pretty simple. Things like more comprehensive background checks. That's not something that is, you know, an issue that we can delay to someday. That's something that should happen now. Yeah. And I think that, you know, Max, it very much starts at the individual. I mean, there are so many causes and this idea of like desperation and the overwhelming sense of, of just everything going badly and from police brutality to racial tensions and racism and racist undercurrents in many parts of our country to the things that the commander in chief is saying to the situation of the environment, which still feels like further out and not near us, to the way animals are kept, to the way young people are treated, to immigrants. I mean, there's just so much. Like, it's like, where do we start, right? And so the place to start is not sharing on social media. Yeah, it's, uh, what do they call it? Uh, slacktivism? Yeah. The name of this podcast, Thoughts and Prayers, that's a joke, right? That's kind of a, it's become a meme that of slacktivism, of people just tweeting or Facebooking thoughts and prayers with the victims of... Yeah, no, and it's like whether or not you can get involved with the gun issue or the environment or young people, like start somewhere. I mean, I started volunteering when I was in junior high school and I'm not looking for an award. That's just what we did in my family, right? Like, so, you know, I think, People need to register to vote at 18 years old. I mean, I was the sixth Democrat to register to vote when I was 18 in my hometown. Wow. Six, not five, not seven, six. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like people need to vote. People need to get involved with candidates. You know, I was a volunteer for 18 months on the Hillary Clinton campaign here at headquarters in Brooklyn. Best 18 months ever, obviously. A horrific ending to it. But, you know, I don't regret the thousands of hours I put to calling thousands of voters across the country, right? And to working with Latino groups and LGBT groups to help Hillary get elected. So, you know, I think that there are ways you don't have to get involved with a national campaign at the national headquarters, right? But you can get involved at the local office, help get your local board person, you know, if you have a great person running for city council, and they're your neighbor, get involved with them, right? So if we all did something, if we all got one or two people to go vote back in November of 2016, if we all did more or called, you know, you could get, you could have gotten on hillaryclinton.com and signed up and done calling from home from your computer. If everyone made a few calls, she would have won, right? So it's, it's, it's about, I don't want to look back at any elections. I don't want to look back at any more gun tragedies. I don't want to look back at, you know, a further shrinking ice cap and say, oh, we could have done that, or I wish I could have done that, or, you know, and a cause close to me, obviously, is animal activism, and I do a lot of work there, but people don't want to see it, right? Like, they just kind of want to tune it out, and it's like, 
there's very easy ways to stop animal cruelty. Like don't support companies that test on animals, right? And that includes companies you wouldn't think would that, you know, so just do your homework, right? And so I think that if you don't feel comfortable with the way animals are treated, then then go vegan or reduce meat. You know, I'm a, I'm a big advocate of going vegan, but, you know, and it's possible in 2018, you know, there's great options out there. So, you know, I think that that people can change. And when one of us changes, we impact other people. No one has ever said to me, I changed a bit based on your Facebook opinion, right? Like I, I am way too much of a loud mouth on, on social media and I always have been. I'm actually getting better, I believe. But I think that what people have said to me is like, what you did with this or that definitely impacted me. Like people know where I stand, stood on the Hillary Trump election. People know where I stand on environmental issues. They know where I stand around race and white privilege. And, and they know where I stand around animal rights and animal welfare and activism, right? So it's like, we all don't have to be these rabid lunatic advocates and activists, but we can all play a part. We can all do something. And it's like, listen, if a full-time high school student can take a part of, of their day and really radicalize the concept of what it means to be a high school student and launch a national and arguably international movement then you can make a couple of calls for a local congressperson or you can you can get involved with an environmental cause absolutely or an education cause or a health cause i mean there's there's ways right to just to be engaged and to get involved thank you so much chris for coming on and thank you so much uh, for all those great words and if people want to get involved and get active with any of the causes you mentioned or just any of the general things we've been talking about do you have any links that they can do that with yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that there's um, some great stuff. I think that, you know, following the Southern Poverty Law Center, an organization that I'm part of, I'm actually chair of the boards, it's called Farm Sanctuary, it's farmsanctuary.org. I think it just really starts with whatever your cause is. I'm not, I'm not, you know, advocating one or another, find your passion. You know, there's so many issues that you can be a part of, but stay, stay up on issues, pay attention to what's happening at the border. Pay attention to the happen that's happening to other communities, to communities of color. Black lives matter, right? Like, don't don't think that we are challenging one group over another. We we need to open our minds and our hearts and to start listening more and to know that like when we do that, we actually will change. Thanks so much, Chris, and thank you everyone for listening. And just in case you're not subscribed already. Guess what? You can do so to get future episodes on any platform, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Google Play, even Spotify. So no matter where you get your podcast, please subscribe to us if you want to get future episodes. You can, of course, also follow us on Twitter at PrayersFM. And if you want to leave us a review or just share the show with your friends, that would also be much appreciated. And we'll see you sometime in the next week with a new guest. In the meantime, you can email me with any suggestions or feedback that you have. That's max at audox.xyz. As always, that will be in the show notes. Links for everything also in the show notes. Thanks and uh, keep this podcast in your thoughts and prayers or just your subscription feeds. Both of those work for us. Thanks. Thanks.